Today I want to talk to you about pouring a foundation of praise. And you can turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Over the past month I've been preaching to you about our lives being poured out as a drink offering. And it's ironic, people came back to me and said, Pastor, that's exactly what I've been going through. I've been going through this difficult time. I feel like I've just been crushed. I feel like I've been smashed and I don't have much left to give. And that's the way I feel. I feel like my life is just being poured out. We talked about that we're to pour a foundation of prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer is foundational in our life. It's one of those things that you and I desperately need, especially if we're going to live victorious lives. Because that's what Jesus has called us to live. We also said that we're going to pour a foundation of faith. And notice I'm using the term pour, not build. Because there's times in our lives when we don't feel like we even have the building blocks. We feel like our lives have been crushed or situations have crushed us. And it feels like our blocks... Like, there's neat times when we feel like we got all of our blocks together and everything we need and life is going wonderful and everything's hunky-dory. There's other times when it feels like our building blocks have been crushed and we don't have anything left. And that's why we're saying that we're pouring a foundation of faith. Job said two weeks ago, we read that, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He made this determination in his heart, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to trust you, God. You and I have been through enough by now that we should have gotten that. We've been through enough. We've experienced enough. We've had enough trials and difficulties and pains and sorrows to know that God can be trusted. And today we're going to talk about pouring a foundation of praise. Praise is a necessary foundational element in the life of every follower of Jesus Christ. And it's easy To praise the Lord when things are going our way. When things are falling into place. When the wind is at your back. When all of your dreams are coming true. And you just are kind of like, I have those times in my life where I'm sitting back and I'm just like, God, you are so good. Things that you've waited for for years. And all of a sudden, in a moment, God brings them to pass. And you're just like, God, why did I ever doubt you? Things that you've longed for for years and God answers those prayers or he gives you the desires of your heart. They're not even things that are important. They're just something that you kind of wished for. Boy, it'd be nice to sometime. God heard that whisper and he gave you that. And sometimes those times you're just like, God, you are so good. It's amazing. But there's other times whenever things are not going our way. There's times that the wind's not on our back, that the wind's in our face. It's times like that, it seems like it's harder. In those times, many people question what God's will is for their life. They ask this question, is God punishing me for something that I've done wrong in my past? The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He's great at bringing up those mistakes that you've made, those times where you've fallen short. He throws them right up in your face and you say, I guess this is just the consequence of what I've done in the past. Or there's this other question that nags at us and it says, have I missed God's will? Have I missed God's will somehow? Have I not listened close enough? 
Have I not taken an opportunity that was given to me? Have I been lazy or missed something that I've missed God's will? How can I be in God's will and feel this way? How can I be in God's will and be experiencing this challenge? And those times I want to share with you what the will of God is for your life. I have an answer about the will of God for your life. Any of you who are seeking God's will for your life, I have an answer for you today. In those times, I want to share with you also about what your responsibility is to yourself. This verse is not talking about how we treat or interact with other people, but it's how we respond internally. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 Verse 16, 17, and 18, reading to you from the New International Version, it says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want you to say that verse out loud with me. This is your memory verse for today. I think some of you can memorize chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Say that with me. Rejoice always. Let's say it again. Rejoice always. God's will for your life. We're going to say the whole thing and stand up for me. I think I need you to stand up because some of you need to get it down in. Because sometimes we get it up here, but it needs to sink down into our heart. We're going to say those three verses again, and we're going to say them nice and loud. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to tell them these very verses, okay? Get ready. Here we go. You are preaching to them right now. And when they preach to you, you preach back to them, okay? Here we go. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Look at them. They didn't get it. I'm telling you, it's kind of sinking here. It's not going down yet, so we got to do it again. Look at them again, and we're going to take them one at a time. Look at them and say, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to do something else. I want you to turn to another person, someone who you don't know very well. Okay? Turn, find somebody else, not the person you just did it to. I want you to look them in the eye. If you've got to turn around to someone behind you, find someone. Okay, we're going to try it again. Here we go. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Before we stop, look to the person next to you and say, I want to know God's will. Okay, let's tell them again. Let's tell them God's will. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. All right, you can be seated. That is God's will in three specific areas of your life. And if you follow it, God will be glorified. The first one is simply this. Rejoice always. Joy was one of the marks of the early Christianity, which amazed the heathen world and attracted men to Christ. 
And Paul was concerned about the joy of the Thessalonians. He was concerned that it might be strangled out by the trials and the sufferings they were going through. Paul said, they're going through difficult times. They might lose this. Something might try to squeeze out this joy. So he urged them to rejoice, not in what was happening to them, but in their Savior and in all that Jesus had done for them. You may say, Pastor, it's not natural to be joyful always. You're absolutely right. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And it comes from God. I notice this, that I lose my joy when I lose my focus. I lose my joy when I take my eyes off of my Savior. When I take my eyes off of what He has done for me. When I forget about my redemption and my salvation, that He is sanctifying me, that He is working His plans through my life. When I take my eyes off of that, I lose my joy and I get discouraged and I get depressed and I get sad and I get sorrowful. But when I turn my eyes back upon the Lord, His joy is restored to my heart. There's a joy that comes as we focus our minds upon the Lord, who He is and what He has done, not on our circumstances, not on what I don't have. The old hymn says this, when I think of the goodness of Jesus... And what he has done for me. My very soul cries out, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord for saving me. The second thing we're to do is we're to pray continually. It doesn't mean that we're constantly reciting a memorized prayer or mumbling under our breath, although it could be. There's nothing wrong with being in a place where you just have to call out to the Lord day and night. In fact, those turn out to be some of the best times in your life. Not when you're in the midst of it, but once you get through those times when you see that we've never walked alone, those times when you see that he's never left us, he's never forsaken us, he's never forgotten us. But we need to have a lifestyle of continual communication with the author of life, with the author of joy. We cultivate a spirit of constant devotion so that our lives are filled with the presence of God. And prayer is lifting up our hearts to God in humble submission, submission to Him and His will, and dependence, trusting Him as our loving Father, and acknowledging Him as the Almighty God who is mighty to save, the Creator of the universe. Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians to take a hold of God in every situation and at all times to draw strength from Him, to draw near to Him, especially in times of conflict, and to develop an intimate dependency upon the Creator of the universe. That's why He tells them to pray continually. Not so that God just hears us mumbling, but so that we develop that intimate relationship, that constant relationship and that dependence upon the Father. The third thing is He says, Give thanks in all circumstances. George Matheson, the Scottish minister and hymn writer, who was practically blind at 18 years, once prayed, My God, I've never thanked you for my thorn. I've thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorn. I've been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensation for my cross as itself a present glory. Teach me the glory of my cross. Teach me the value of my thorn. Show me that I have climbed to you by the path of pain. 
Show me that my tears have made my rainbow. Pastor, how can we give thanks in all circumstances? Once again, that doesn't seem normal. It doesn't seem natural. You're right, it's not natural. It's supernatural. You can't do it on your own strength. You do it as you rely upon the Lord. And what the Lord is trying to teach us is he's trying to teach us a humble dependency upon him. How can we give thanks in all circumstances? Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. And we know. Who knows? We know that in all things. In what things? All things. God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I want to ask you, do you know? That God works for the good. That God is at work in all things. Do you know that in your heart? Oh, well, I'm not sure if he's working in this area. That needs to get in your heart and get into your spirit. That we know. That we know. Not someone else knows. That we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And who have been called according to his purpose. Listen to what it says. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. I've been predestined by God to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God's already predetermined that you and I are to be conformed into the image of his son because God knew that one day you would call upon the name of the Lord for salvation because God foreknew that He predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God's going to complete the work. The work that God started, he's going to complete. Friends, you don't have to get all discouraged and stressed out and worried about it. We've committed our lives to Christ. We've yielded ourselves to him. And as we submit ourselves to him, his purposes and his plans are going to be fulfilled even if you can't see it at this moment. What then shall we say in response to all of this? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He says, wait a minute. What do we say in response to what God has done? If God's for us, who can be against us? And if he didn't spare his son, won't he also give you whatever else you need? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? I ought to take a show of hands. I don't know if I will or not. I wonder how many folks in this place face day after day accusations from the enemy about your faith face accusations about the enemy, about how you don't measure up, about how you're not good enough, about how if you really loved God, you'd be doing this. I don't know about you, but I face accusations on a continual basis. The Bible says that the enemy is the accuser. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is always interceding for us. You ever have those days when you just feel like, oh God, I wish someone was praying for me. 
I wish somebody was praying for me. God, I need somebody to pray for me. Have somebody call me and, and pray for me. Have somebody, have pastor call me by name and tell me he needs to pray for me. Well, I want you to know that Jesus is always interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's going to separate you? Shall tribulation? My version says, shall trouble or hardship? persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no way look to the person next to you say no way no way absolutely not those things are not going to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus no Paul says no way no absolutely not no and all of these things We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. A lot of us are happy if we just kind of make it in. I mean, let's be honest. Some days we just think, God, if I just just make it through today without acting like a fool, I'll be happy. No, that's not what the word says. God, if I just make it into heaven by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, I'm convinced of it. But there is, it doesn't matter about heights or depth. Any of you worry about the future? One of the things I've been... like, oh, God, I'm not ready. Mom to die. You know? And, and we have some of these things of things that we know that eventually will come and we start to grow weary and, and, and fearful about those things. But Paul says this to us. He says, I'm convinced that nothing, nothing's going to be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want to share another verse with you. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. If you turn your Bibles there, God's people, they'd messed up. They had messed up and made some pretty big mistakes. Not mistakes, they were just outright rebellious. And God's judgment had come upon them. And in the midst of God's judgment and God's discipline, God begins to move upon the heart of Habakkuk. These are the words that he says. He says, though the fig tree doesn't bud... And there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And he makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He says, though every circumstance, and now you've got to understand this. If the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no grapes on the vine, that says you don't have a very good future from the outward circumstance. But he says, even if it doesn't happen, if there's no cattle in the stall, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. 
I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Why? Because God is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. The scripture teaches us this principle, that the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. And there is an onslaught from the enemy today to steal away the joy of the people of God. He's going to try circumstances, situations, problems, difficulties. He'll use whatever. But we know what the will of God is for our life. You just preached it to the person next to you. That we're to rejoice always. That we're to pray continually. That we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm going to tell you what happens. As God's people throughout Scripture, again and again, as God's people praise Him, the heavens open up. The Bible says this, that He inhabits the praises of His people. What is it that brings comfort to your heart during the most difficult times of your life? It's the presence of the Lord. That's what brings strength to you, the presence of the Lord. He's worthy of our praises even if you're unemployed. (laughs) He's worthy of our praises even when my car breaks down. He's worthy of our praises even whenever I don't get my way at this moment because I know that my redemption is secure. I know that what Jesus Christ has done upon Calvary, I know where he brought me from. And friends, you know where he brought you from. And even if he doesn't do anything else for you, I guarantee you he's going to. Even if he did nothing else, he's worthy of our praise because he has redeemed us and purchased us with his blood. I would tell you, your future is good. Well, pastor, there's no figs. Your future's fine. God has it in his hand. Today, Lord, we want to offer up to you a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips. We're going to praise you. We're going to worship you. We're going to give ourselves to you. We're going to surrender ourselves to you afresh and anew. In the name of Jesus.